Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Tuesday episode. How the heck is everybody doing? If it sounds a little echoey, I'm in a basement in Columbus, Ohio. Oh man, it, it sounds like I'm potentially a hostage. Uh, no, I'm, I'm purposely in a basement recording this. Um, uh, visiting my grandma for her 100th birthday, and uh, it is, uh, man, so many memories. So many memories. Um, I drove by dad's uh house where he grew up and uh it is wild i mean it is the tiniest place ever and i remember as a kid going there so many times when my grandma uh lived there and you know there's that thing when you're a kid you think every place is big and then you see the actuality of it when you grow up uh when you get a little older and you know six people lived there and you know my dad and his siblings would uh share the attic there was only one bedroom one bathroom uh in in columbus ohio and it's just wild and it's so great and uh you know uh i really appreciate being here especially this year of all years um and we went and saw grandma again today at the uh the nursing home and i i talked a little bit about this at the beginning with sophie yesterday and i'm so glad that was as silly as it was because I kind of needed the laughs and it was, you know, it's, it's just, it's just so many memories. And I think the passage of time and getting older and how I'm always kind of a glass half empty kind of guy. Um, and you know, if my mind doesn't cooperate, I kind of have a tendency to go into sadness rather than look at the positive side of things. Um, you know, and my grandma, I mean, a hundred years old and she looks, she looks great. I mean, she looks so different than how I remember her growing up, but just still so great for a hundred. Now her mind isn't, you know, it's like trying to think, you know, it's like those, those magical dolls that you had as a kid. (laughs) 
this magical doll that you had as a kid. This is going to be great. Everybody's like, where is Ryan going with this? By the way, we have an amazing guest today that you can skip using the timestamp right to Francesca Farago. I did this interview weeks ago and she was so, so amazing because there were some technical difficulties and she totally rode with those and she was amazing and I'd never talked to her before and it was just, she was great. She was great. So you can skip to that right now, but I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to talk about the Grammys before that because I thought the Grammys is worth talking about. If you didn't see it, I'm going to do a recap for you. But uh, it's like one of those, you know, the, the one of those dolls and they would have like 10 things that they would say. And my grandma is kind of at that stage in her life where she says the same 10 things, but it's all like kind of really, you know, I've, I've lived such a blessed life. Um, I'm, I think about all the times we had um, really, really magical things, but it's wild because you know, grandma, when I would, you, you, when I used to talk to her on the phone, she would even, you know, I, I, if you've listened to the podcast for four years, I've talked about my grandma before my one grandma, my mom's mom has passed away. Rest in peace, grandma Davis, but, uh, grandma Horton is still, still hanging in there, but we would talk. I mean, this has been now for like over 15 years where every time I would talk to her, she would say goodbye. I've had a great life. And I'm like, grandma, you're fine. And she's still here. And you know, I think with all families, you, you lose people along the way. You know, we lost my uncle Dale, her son, my dad's brother. We lost my mom. We've lost uh, so many great people. And I think that's the reality of life. And sometimes, I mean, we're privileged. We're privileged to sit here and laugh and talk about pop culture and reality shows. And that's a privilege um, and an honor. And it's something that takes our minds off of these other things, the, the reality of life. And, um, I just, we, we, we ate lunch with her in the, the cafeteria and it's, uh, it's very sobering because there's a lot of other people out down there and they, there's a lot of kind of, uh, you know, it, I mean, by the way, the staff there is just so amazing and so nice and, and great. Um, but it, it, you would just, you see a lot of people just kind of staring and you wonder what they're thinking about and you wonder, you just wonder so much about where they're at. And, and I, I just keep thinking about a hundred years of memories. I mean, I think about how full my mind is right now, just in terms of like the television I watch on top of all of the personal memories and how, how many memories you have to have at a hundred years old and what that's like when you close your eyes and try to remember and try to think about things. But at the same time, my grandma, there were certain things like I wear this sub pop hoodie a lot. Um, and she was like, sub, like she read it off my, I was like, grandma, you can read like, that's amazing. Everything's like this miracle. And she has her bag of candies with her at all time. And my dad always brings her jugs of wine. And, you know, so we're like, grandma, you want a glass of wine? It was like 10 AM. She's like, yeah. I was like, right. Yeah. 10 if you're a hundred years old, you deserve a 10 AM glass of wine. I think that's one of the privileges you get at a hundred years old is you get a 10 a.m. glass of wine. Hot damn. Yes. Um, and she's not at a place where we can bring her out of the home anymore. Uh, that we, we used to be able to do that. Um, but it's wild. And before that, we went to um, Bob Evans. Bob Evans is, 
how do you describe it? Uh, gravy. Uh, I think you describe it in gravy, fried things. Uh, it was, we had breakfast there and I had a country fried steak and eggs, which is a bunch of gravy. My dad had biscuits and gravy on top of his eggs and stuff. And they bring you a bowl of gravy because you need the whole bowl. It is just like a, it's like, it's a soup. Like they, they bring it out. Like it's a, it's a big bowl of soup. What dad? No, all good. That was dad. He's walking over to Walgreens right now, as you just heard. Um, so uh, that was Bill Bailey just making an appearance. He didn't know he was on a podcast right now. Um, so, you know, he had a big bowl of gravy. It was, it was, it, it's great. And then, yeah, it's just a lot of memories. And uh, of course, you, you know, I just keep thinking about mom and uh, all the times we had with her, with her here. Um yeah, and then we're gonna go out to eat tonight with my cousin and her boyfriend and my uncle and his uh new lady love, which uh should be fun and exciting. So I'm trying to get this done so I can actually go enjoy that. And then we're leaving back for Los Angeles tomorrow. And uh that uh and then we start all over again. I'll be on Jeff Lewis Live on Wednesday, which uh will be on Radio Andy, the after show, and I'll be hosting that with Jamie Kennedy the actor comedian. And I'm really excited about that. So tune in to radio Andy channel one Oh two on Wednesday, but it is just go, go, go. So how are you guys doing? I've been blabbing this whole time. I didn't even get to check in. Has the week been gentle so far? Are we on a good, like does Tuesday feel good still? Oh goodness. And by the way, guys, we're close to Valentine's day. Just a, a gentle reminder for everybody. I think that's now in like nine days. So prepare accordingly for that. Um, so let's talk about the Grammys last night. The Grammys last night, and just so you know, if you didn't watch, the Grammys got huge ratings. This was actually wild. I thought this was, I really love paying attention to this kind of stuff because it shows where like, there's been a lot of times in the last couple of years that award shows has been have been really low rated, rated award shows. I think a lot of people, you know, coming out of a pandemic, people really weren't that excited to see people celebrating themselves, people that potentially we thought had it better than us. But, you know, these award shows, the past couple of ones, I loved the Emmys. Uh, the Golden Globes were so-so, but I still loved watching them. But the Grammys, you guys, I thought it was a really great uh, it was a great ceremony. So many amazing performances. Joni Mitchell, Billy Joel, top of my list, a Tina Turner uh, tribute. You had a great in memoriam segment. You had uh, uh, so many. I'm trying to think of the, the we'll, we'll go through them, uh, but this is great. The Grammys brought in 16.9 million viewers. And guess what? That is up 34% from last year, a whole 34%. That is massive. And this is reported by Elizabeth Wagmeister for CNN. It nearly doubled uh, this year's Golden Globe ratings and nearly four times the audience of the Emmys. Now, the Emmys made a huge mistake airing it um, in January, right on the heels of the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice. And I think not enough people knew the Emmys were happening because they usually happen much earlier um, than it did this year. But they postponed it due to the SAG and Writers Guild strike and things of that nature. But it really showed that there is an audience for this. And if it's well done, you know, that that's even better. And I think it's just that great opportunity to sit there and watch these things and appreciate the artistry of music and musicians that are out there right now, but also a throwback to things that we might have forgotten, to memories that we had. You know, music is the soundtrack to our lives. And I know that is like the cheesiest phrase ever, but it is one of the truest phrases ever. It truly is the soundtrack of our lives. 
And to watch Joni Mitchell sit on a throne around friends, you know, after suffering massive strokes, potentially never being able to sing again. And then recently in this last year, being able to do limited performances here and there. This was her first time performing at the Grammys. And I thought it was very, very powerful. So let's go over some of the moments at the Grammys. Of course, we will talk about Taylor Swift and we will talk about if it was smart or not for Taylor Swift to use her award, you know, her speech for winning an award to actually promote a new album that is coming out in April. Um, and we'll talk about the title of that album. And is it too much? But I just want to remind people when we talk about is it too much? Let's also be aware of do we ask though, do we ask these questions of male artists? Is this a female thing? Or is it just she is such a juggernaut that we're like, yo, maybe maybe stomp the brakes a little bit. He'll, listen, my theory about Taylor, I was like, is there a, is there a, I, I, she studies these things. She's, a, she's a student of music and pop culture. My, my theory is she's going to just release a stinker of an album, like an album that's like, what the F just to get everybody off her case. And then she can go away for five years and come back with like a Pulitzer Prize winning album, which I don't think those actually exist. But, you know, I was like, what if she just releases a stinker? Because I will say, if you are a student of pop culture, some of the best pop culture moments are after an artist completely fails, completely dares to suck and then does suck and then goes away and comes back with a triumphant album, movie, musical, so anything like that is one of those are my favorite moments in pop culture sometimes is when somebody is down for the count, they're counted out, and then they turn it around. They go away for a little bit and turn it around. But Taylor has her foot on the gas. And even me, a fan of Taylor Swift, I'm even kind of at the point of, is it too much? Is it too much? Is there enough air in the room for more? And I've said this many times. I mean, the hardcore Swifties out there, I mean, you've got to be applying for loans at your favorite bank just to be able to afford because you know she's going to have 18 different color vinyls. She's then going to have to, like, is she going to tour around this album? Like when this album comes out, she's going to be doing an overseas tour. Is she going to incorporate tracks from this into the era's tour over there? I mean, it is wild. Like when is she going to rest on top of her personal life is still one of the most talked about personal life out there because of her date. Yeah, I got it, dad. I'm recording. That's all good. Just, just had to tell, just had to yell at dad. What did you see that? Did you see? He's like, I'm back. Yeah, I'm recording dad. I should, I should actually have him walk down here and say hi to you guys. Let me, let me see if I can get him. Okay. Sorry. I'll get him in. I'll get him in a second. Um, so yeah, let's go over some of the highlights and potential lowlights of the Grammys this year. Now, Taylor Swift wins album of the year for midnights. I predicted that this would happen. This is her fourth album of, uh, fourth album of the year win. She's won this four different times. Isn't that wild? And just so you know, a little piece of history on other albums of the year that uh, might surprise you. Uh, let me find my note right here. In 2010, she won album of the year for Fearless. In 2011, the album of the year was Arcade Fire's The Suburbs. Great album. In 2012, you had Adele's 21. Now, in uh, 2013, you had Babel um, by Mumford and Sons. Uh, remember Mumford and Sons? Uh, always like seven minute, kind of amazing crescendo building 
alternative songs. And uh, I want to credit Mumford and Sons for really for starting what I believe is the hat craze that Kyle Richards now lives her life by. In 2014, you had Daft Punk for Random Access Memories. Uh, 2015 was a surprise win for Beck for Morning Phase. I love that album, but uh, Prince actually presented that award and Prince presented that award thinking that Beyonce was going to get album of the year. And then it went to Beck and everybody in that room was surprised. It's actually worth going back and watching that moment on YouTube because you can tell Prince Prince's displeasure. Now, 2016 Taylor Swift was back for 1989 for album of the year. 2017 Adele was back for 25. Uh, in 2018, you had Bruno Mars for 24 Karat Magic. In 2019, you had Casey Musgraves for Golden Hour. In 2020, you had Billie Eilish for When All Fall Asleep. Um, in 2021, Taylor is back for Folklore. In 2022, you had We Are by John Baptiste. Uh, in 2023, you had Harry's House, Harry Styles, and then last night you had Midnight's Taylor Swift album of the year. So, man, that is four albums of the year. And Beyonce has not had album of the year, which we'll talk about in a second, because Jay-Z actually made that a part of his speech, which I found very powerful. And I loved seen that speech and i also loved that he brought blue ivy up there with him folks summer is just around the corner so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees now i wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune and luckily i found quince now i have a lineup of timeless pieces i want that will keep me looking fresh year after year i got a pair of tan shorts i got a pair of green shorts i cannot wait to style these for summer and i gotta tell you the quality is great because quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, Swift took the stage last night with her collaborators, uh, Lana Del Rey, who is in that on that album, and Jack Antonoff. But a lot of people were thinking that this potentially should have gone to Lana Del Rey. Um, and a lot of people, and you'll hear this a lot with Taylor Swift now is like cringy moments from last night. She is the biggest star in the world, arguably. And so the spotlight is on her at all times. So now everybody is trying to like, oh, that's a cringy moment. No, that's a cringy moment. So she had two cringy moments last or three, if you count the album release or what people are saying are potential cringy moments because dragging Lana Del Rey up there 
when she was nominated in the same category. But listen, is that cringy or is that trying to like give her her due as well? Um, and then the other cringy moment is when she won, uh, Celine Dion presented the award. Now, Celine Dion obviously battling health issues right now. So it was a big surprise that she was able to come out and give out this award. And people are saying Taylor Swift, or I mean, she didn't like hug Celine Dion and acknowledge that even though she stood up immediately when Celine Dion came out and they actually took pictures backstage and we are being told that everything is copacetic between those two. But a lot of people took that as a slight for Celine Dion. And then the third cringy moment that people are talking about is when she won one of her awards, she did announce her new album. And so she used it as a commercial instead of just, you know, thanking the people that collaborated and kind of giving uh, that heartfelt speech. She used it as a spotlight for her new album and said, Hey, I'm going to post this online right now. And the audience reaction did not seem to be positive when she was doing this. And I do wonder for Taylor, um, I'm tortured by people's reactions to the most minuscule things in my life. So I wonder if Taylor actually, you know, if she's ever kind of a glass, I don't think she's a glass half empty person ever, but if she's like, oh shit, like watching that back, like, oh, people don't seem to be excited for this. Like I wanted to see Beyonce's reaction during this too, because also we're promised like another act in the Renaissance of it all. We have been promised that Beyonce was working potentially on a trilogy of albums and we have yet to seen act two of Renaissance. So uh, if Taylor's going to release, I mean, Beyonce is, I mean, she's kind of looking like Picasso. Like she's looking like a true artist um, because also I think Renaissance is one of those albums that it makes you work a little bit. And then you, you, as time goes by, you have this deeper appreciation of the Renaissance album and what she did with that. But anyway, so those are three things in, in regards to Taylor Swift that people are talking about. Um now, Celine Dion made that surprise appearance. Now, she has been diagnosed with stiff person syndrome, which is a rare and incurable neurological disease that can cause debilitating uh, muscle spasms and affects the central nervous system, specifically the brain and spinal cord. So it was really powerful when she came out. And she says, when I say that I'm happy to be here, I really mean it from the heart. Those who have been blessed enough here at the Grammy Awards must never take for granted the tremendous love and joy that music brings to our lives and to people all around the world. And I completely agree with that. Now, uh, we closed out the Grammy Awards with Billy Joel performing his first new single in 17 years, Turn the Lights Back On. And uh, he had previously, last time he performed at the Grammys, I believe was 1993, for the album River of Dreams. So he performed this and then uh he performed uh uh another he performed one of his classic songs after that like um you may be crazy lunatic you're looking for turn out the lights um what's uh oh you may be right you you may be you may be God, I feel like I'm having a stroke. You may be right. He per, he performed You May Be Right, but it has that lyric in it, Turn Out the Lights, and his new song is called Turn the Lights Back On. What I'm curious about with Billy Joel is that he said he was done making new music. He was actually writing some beautiful orchestrations, um, but he, you know, if he does this and this actually turns out to be good, I really am a fan of this song. I think it's beautiful. Billy Joel has one of the most stunning voices, I think, in male pop. 
And you, you, even with this song, which is ballad-esque, you really still sense that power. His voice is still so pure and so strong. So I would be totally up for a Billy Joel album. Uh, other big things, Meryl Streep and son-in-law, Mark Ronson. Yeah, Mark Ronson, who produced the Barbie soundtrack and has produced so many amazing artists. Uh, I mean, Amy Winehouse being one of them. Uh, they presented uh, Miley Cyrus with Record of the Year. And isn't it funny? A lot of people don't realize that uh, Mark Ronson is married to Meryl. Meryl Streep's daughter, um, but also Miley Cyrus won her first Grammy, and she uh, she her outfit was beautiful. It was a Bob Mackie gown. Now Bob Mackie, a famous designer, uh, really remember Bob, Bob Mackie doing a lot of shares outfits, some really iconic Oscar outfits that Bob Mackie designed. But did Miley Cyrus's outfit? She looked a little like uh, if you remember the 1984 movie Ghostbusters at the very end of like. Um, they're like Zool, like Zool, like that lady at the end. It reminded me of that with the hairstyle. Now, remember, there was a torrential downpour in Los Angeles. So a lot of these celebrities were really scared of getting wet. These poor celebrities. But Miley Cyrus won her first Grammy for the Bop Flowers, which is just a really amazing front to back song. Now, she praised all her collaborator collaborators, her main gaze, and she thanked her mother, Tish Cyrus. Um, and then she uh, also said she might have forgotten underwear. Now, this also is interesting because she left out her dad, the Billy Ray Cyrus. She left out Billy Billy Ray Cyrus. Oof. wonder what's going on there now. Now, 2024, the best new artist went to Victoria Monet. And this will be interesting. Monet said in her speech, everyone who has a dream, I want you to look at this as an example. This award was a 15-year pursuit. I think that what's amazing about these awards is that you sometimes forget of how much work for an artist goes into these things. So even when you are, uh, I always talk about this, about like an overnight success is like usually decades in the making. But Best New Artist, she said it took 15 years to get Best New Artist. The new in artist in this award always cracks me up. Now there is a Grammy um, kind of myth that best new artist, whoever wins that is supposedly cursed with bad luck. There has been a string of best new artists that have kind of disappeared once they won that award. So hopefully Victoria Monet, that will not happen at all. Now, Travis Scott, he performed at the Grammys. He performed a string of his hits, My Eyes, I Know, and Fane. And he smashed a bunch of folding chairs, uh, a lot of flames, big speakers. I just, I've told you, I, I just am not, I don't appreciate Travis Scott the way a lot of people do. So sorry about that. And also just the smashing, I don't know, rage, man, rage. I just think it's also wild and potentially in bad taste after Astroworld, but he's going to do what he does. Also, we hear that a lot of the people in best, the, the best rap categories, best rap album of the year, he was wanting to get that and Killer Mike from Run the Jewels, Killer Mike's album swept with like three awards. Also, Killer Mike was arrested at the Grammy Awards last night. Uh, there was an alleged assault with a security guard. Uh, he was led away in handcuff handcuffs and everything I think was taken care of. Uh, we'll probably find out more information on that, but it, you, you, you can see video online of him being led away after he won these awards. Imagine on one of his biggest nights winning three Grammys and then immediately getting arrested during the ceremony. Now, this was a very powerful moment for me being a huge Joni Mitchell fan. She performed both sides now at the Grammys uh, 55 years after it's after it was released initially. A very emotional ballad. She was accompanied by Brandy Carlisle and other instrumentalists. 
and she just looked beautiful. Um, and she also won a Grammy last night for best folk album. I do want to point out one of the most stunning lyrics from this song that I love so much and I relate to so much. And maybe you guys can relate to this as well. One of the lyrics in this song is so many things I would have done, but clouds got in the way. I just doesn't your heart just ring out with that. Like that just sums up everything. So many things I would have done, but clouds got in the way. Think about your own life. I think about my own life. You know, when you're on a path or you're on a good path and you, you just, just something gets in the way. I just, it's just so poetic to me. I love that so, so much. But if you didn't see that, go look up that performance. And it just goes to show you, you can be sitting down, you can be, you know, talk singing, you can be singing with a quiet voice and it can sometimes still move you to tears, move mountains. Billie Eilish, as predicted, won for song of the year for uh, the song, What Was I Made For? Her and Phineas, her brother, uh, wrote this song for the Barbie soundtrack. And uh, I believe that this is also going to win the Oscar for best song at the Oscars. It uh, it seems like it is just on a path of winning right now. And Billie Eilish is just so decorated. It'll be really interesting to see Billie Eilish grow up because she is just still so young. You think about a lot of these artists. I would even include My Miley Cyrus in there. Think about it still. Miley Cyrus is so young still. And think about where she came from, from Hannah, Montana. Like those are like just iconic eras and it's going to be interesting because she seems to change up her style and vibe so much that, you know, 20 years from now, I'm so excited to see where Miley Cyrus goes. But Billie Eilish as well. Where does Billie Eilish go? And the best thing that she has is that voice. If she has that magical voice, she can go anywhere. Now, I was talking earlier about Jay-Z. Jay-Z accepted the Dr. Dre Global Impact Award. I believe this is the first time they gave this out. You know, Jay-Z with his his dreads look, you know, all black suit, looked really cool, brought up his daughter with him, Blue Ivy, as he accepted this award. Um, and he did actually stand up for his wife, Beyonce, who was in the audience. I have to say, for the love of all that is holy, please stop wearing the cowboy hat. I do not love the cowboy hat look on Beyonce. I loved it on the Renaissance cover. I totally dig it, but you know, I, I just, I wasn't fully feeling the, it, it was very Jessica Simpson, Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> LOL. Please don't kill me, Beyonce. Anyways, Jay-Z stuck up for his wife in his speech saying, Hey, listen, she has more Grammys than everyone and never won album of the year. That doesn't work. When And then he, he laughed. He's like, when I get nervous, I tell the truth. But he was kind of saying, hey, listen, even by the Grammys own metrics, something is wrong. If somebody that's won 32 Grammys, the most Grammys of anybody ever has not won album of the year. And I thought that was a really clarifying point. Um, but he also said, I thought this was very inspiring to everybody out there. Keep showing up until they give you all those accolades you feel you deserve. And, you know, he talked very honestly about people, some people deserving, some people not being deserving, but always just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. And also that the Grammys have had a history of problems and also sometimes acknowledging uh, minority artists. And they feel like they are in a bit of course correction right now with Jay-Z seemed was a positive step, but it'll be interesting to see where the Grammys go in the future. Now the in memoriam segment was led off by Stevie wonder, uh, Annie Lennox, uh, sang Sinead O'Connor's song, uh, which actually was written by Prince. Uh, Annie Lennox sang a beautiful rendition of that, uh, iconic Sinead O'Connor recording, and I just think Sinead O'Connor would have loved that so much. 
And she also uh, shouted out for a ceasefire at the end of her performance. I was like, oh my God, the Grammys are going to try to cut away as quickly as possible after this. But I thought that was the most Sinead O'Connor thing that you could potentially do during a tribute for her. But yeah, Stevie Wonder sang with the uh, late Tony Bennett on screen for Once in My Life. They duetted with uh, Tony Bennett died in 2023 at the age of 96. Um, And then uh, Lenny Kravitz came out uh, to honor a music executive, Clarence Avant. And then John Baptiste came out and sang two Bill Withers songs, Lean on Me and Ain't No Sunshine. And then Oprah Winfrey came out to honor her friend and legend, Tina Turner. And Fantasia Barino came out and did a really great version of uh, the Ike and Tina Turner uh, classic Proud Mary. Now, I will. I kind of laughed at this. I saw this on Twitter. Um, uh (laughs) <laughs> I thought this was so great. Ira Madison from Keep It wrote, you know, Tina has other songs, right? Like Tina Turner has one of the best catalogs in music, but every award show, you do see somebody doing Proud Mary at some point. Um, okay. And back to that Taylor Swift announcing the surprise 11th album. Everybody thought she was announcing um, the reputation Taylor's version, but instead she Announce a new album, The Tortured Poets Department. You can see the image on her Instagram, which looks like a sexy Fifty Shades of Grey-esque cover. I was like, okay, okay. Um, But yeah, Taylor Swift is releasing a new album out April 19th, uh, six days before my birthday. So that's very exciting. And it's a little bit of a, like I said, a sexier black and white cover. The Tortured Poets Department... I mean, it's a little on the nose. We'll we'll see what this album is. But Taylor Swift, you, you can never count her down or out. And she really has the world watching right now in so many ways. So it is going to be interesting to see what she does with all of this attention. And if it is, if there's a chance for her to flop, if there's a chance for her to release a real stinker, if she does become detached from reality in some sense, I'm I'm really curious about this album. And I'm curious about, you know, about the thinking behind this is that, is it, is it smart to be, to keep going to the well this many times in, you know, I mean, she has been unrelenting in terms of releases between Taylor's version and her own albums in the last four years. And I do wonder if Taylor has a thought in her head of when she is potentially going to take a break, but Listen, who knows? Maybe she's getting it all na- getting it in all now. Maybe she's going to like chill out for a couple of years. Maybe she's going to start a family. Who knows? Maybe we'll see if Travis Kelsey wins the Super Bowl this Saturday, right? Also, the Grammys went to Las Vegas. They did a performance from U2 at the Sphere. The Sphere, which by the way, Dead and Company, John Mayer uh taking over for Jerry Garcia in the last decade and doing a really amazing job. They had done their last road tour, but now this is a residency so they say it doesn't count, but they announced a string of dates at the Sphere. I saw you two at the Sphere, and it was really one of the coolest experiences I've ever had at a live concert. And I've seen so many concerts in my day. Uh, but they came out and they performed and also announced the winner at uh, Best Pop Vocal Album from Vegas, which was given to Taylor Swift. Olivia Rodrigo performed Vampire. Uh, Faux Blood poured from her backdrop, People Magazine reports. Um, And the performance had much of the audience on their feet, including Taylor Swift uh, and earned rave applause from Taylor Swift. Now, this is actually notable, they say, because there was speculation that the track 
was about the anti-hero singer, that Vampire was about Taylor Swift in a negative way. And Rodrigo said in a 2023 interview that she was surprised that people thought that, that that is not the thing. So to see Taylor Swift supporting Olivia Rodrigo, ooh, got to be a sigh of relief for Olivia and for the people that even care at all at home. Now, one of my favorite artists, SZA, who I was hoping was going to win uh, Song of the Year for Kill Bill, she did take home Grammys last night for her amazing album, SOS. She won Best R&B Song, uh, and she also wants to let people know you don't really understand. She's like, you don't really understand. I came really, really far. I can't believe this is happening. I'm not an attractive crier. She admitted before exiting the stage with her trophy. So congratulations goes out to SZA. Uh, Best country album went to Lainey Wilson's Bell Bottom Country. Now, listen, I'm not a huge country fan, but I will will say it begins and ends with Morgan Wade right now. (laughs) Morgan Wade is the big country singer that I support. Um, Uh, Billie Eilish did an emotional performance. Uh, Taylor Swift, by the way, this uh, article points out, she does love to show how much she loves music at an award show. She is always one of the first people up singing and dancing so much so that I wonder if people behind her are always like, sit down. You know, as you get older, you want to sit down at concerts sometimes. I was at at that Eagles concert with my dad a couple weeks ago, and like the majority of people were sitting down. And then when people would stand up, you could tell the older people behind were like, damn it. Now we have to stand up to see Don Henley. Come on. Um, Also, I want to point out that Tracy Chapman, Tracy Chapman uh, sang last night in a beautiful performance with Luke Combs, country singer Luke Combs, who covered her song Fast Car and made it a hit again. Um, But Tracy Chapman, you know, you don't you don't really hear a lot from her. So it was very powerful for her to come out and duet with Luke Combs on this song that catapulted her into fame in the 80s, in the 80s. It is still one of the most heart wrenching songs out there. It just it, it makes you envision a life, a story. You can relate it to your own life and struggle some, you know, like it is just such a powerful song. It is a timeless song. And I want to have everybody out there, if you have time, to go and stream her 1988 album. It's just called Tracy Chapman by Tracy Chapman. And it's just, it's it's stacked with what I think are hits. Talking about a revolution starts the album off. It's amazing. There is a song though, when I listened to as a kid that would always make me cry. It's called Baby, Can I Hold You? And it is so funny, the things as a kid, I would get so emotional about songs. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You're 10 years old, getting emotional about a song that you have no concept of. You've lived no sort of life, yet it would touch me so much. But Baby, Can I Hold You is such this, oh, it's just a heartbreaking song. I love it so much. Go stream that song. Go stream that album. I think it is a magical album. Um, And uh, Trevor Noah did a great job hosting. He did a a great job hosting. He's now hosted, I believe, three years in a row. Dua Lipa opened the Grammys by Dance the Night Away. And she also did a medley of training season and her new track, Houdini. Uh, Dua Lipa, one of my favorites. I cannot wait to hear her new album. Paramore won two Grammys for Best Rock Album and Best Alternative Music Performance. And I think uh, their last album really is an incredible album that is worth checking out. Uh, so those are some of the highlights. I'm probably missing tons of highlights for, you know, what were your guys's highlights? Uh, I just thought it was a great 
front to back show, very magical and really makes you appreciate not just music, but the artistry that goes behind music. And it made me think like, I want to go to the Grammys one day. I want to go and see it. Like, it looks like it's at the crypto arena. Like they they can fit what, like 18,000 people in there. I want to go. I want to go to the Grammys next year. That's a goal. Let's put that in as a, so bad it's good goal. Okay. Let's do that. Let's all go together. Okay. Uh, you know what? Dad'll be on in a couple weeks anyways. Um, so let's get to our guest. I hope you have the best Tuesday ever. Uh, and we have new shows all week. We got a great interview on Wednesday. We'll do the Vanderpump rules and Beverly Hills recap later in the week. Uh, if you're a Jeff Lewis fan, Sirius XM on Wednesday, but, uh, you guys have the best Tuesday ever. And here is our guest, the amazing Francesca Farrago. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to So Bad It's Good, presented by Betches Media. I am so excited to talk to our guest today. She is truly a fascinating person, and of course, she has made quite the impression on some Netflix reality shows that we have all watched. Perfect match, too hot to handle, but I gotta tell you, her actual life away from these shows is so much better than any of these stories that have been featured on reality television. Now, I got to see her and her fiance, Jesse Sullivan, at the DirecTV Women in Reality Television dinner, like, last month, and first off, they are an insanely attractive couple, but their story is so good. I've been listening to them on podcasts and TikToks to prepare for this and it seems like a really amazing love story and also they're actually going through IVF right now as well plus she has been in the middle of what might be a 10-year home renovation when all is said and done um she is an insanely successful influencer her swimwear company Farago the label which makes ethical sustainable and biodegradable swimwear but in doing all this research I can't wait to see where she goes next and I'm truly curious why she doesn't have her own show at this point the one the only Francesca Farago welcome to the show that was an intro oh my god <laughs> I well, I got to tell you like I I watched you on these shows like I remember Too Hot to Handle I think premiered during like the pandemic still and it was insane and you were so good you really understood the assignment on these shows but uh, what I found really unique was then getting to know you a little bit on other interviews. So when I said like we all like I watched Too Hot to Handle, I think it premiered during the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. And you really seem to understand the assignment when you go on reality television, even though you've been critical of reality television as well. Um, but I have to say you really are fascinating. Why don't you have your own reality show at this point with your actual life? I think that's definitely like the end goal for like the next five years. We would love to do that. We're working on it. Maybe in the we're in like the talking stages with a few different networks. So that would be the end goal because I'm over being a contestant. I, I mean, I might I might do one or two more times, but I would love to have more of like a production role or more of 
a role where I'm not like forced to be in a house with a bunch of people that I don't know, you know? Well, you seem like you understand the game though. Even when you talk about it, you talk about it so intelligently where you understand what they're trying to do with these shows. And that's why I think you kind of have like this producer brain when I hear you speak about it. Uh, by the way, we we kind of, uh, you're responsible for Harry Jowsey being unleashed on the world. I kind of blame you for this a little bit because I feel like, you know, you made him shine and you guys are both still out there doing this. Okay, folks, you are not aware, but we've uh, we've gone through a lot of technical issues that I'll edit out of this show. But I've apologized to Francesca now 80 billion times. Um, what I was saying, though, is just that we were a fan of yours on reality television. You knew the assignment, but I feel like you have a producer's brain. Uh, but then I went back and did research. Is it true you graduated with a law degree in Canada? Yeah. So one of my minors was in law, actually. And I did a little internship at a law firm and I hated every second of it. And I realized very quickly that that was not my field of expertise. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to like trace the line of what makes somebody that has like, you know, kind of you have an insane brain. What makes you actually get into reality television? What makes you try Like what makes you even want to share your life? Because you are so open with not only reality television, but your life in general. Take us through that journey of like what even possessed you to want to be on television to begin with. I don't think it was something that I ever thought I would end up doing. I sometimes considered acting and I did like a little bit of modeling when I was growing up. So I thought potentially maybe I could get into that kind of realm, but reality TV kind of just fell into my lap. Um, I got an Instagram DM one day and the produ producers of Too Hot to Handle asked me to audition and it kind of just snowballed into it really quickly. And then I realized I really enjoyed being in front of the camera. I kind of just came naturally to me. I'm not really sure why, but I just I wasn't nervous. I was excited. I was confident and it, just kind of happened. I don't really know. It just was like fell, fell into my lap and yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've talked about like filming these shows and the way that those shows are edited to make it seem. And like, there's realistic sometimes romance, but a lot of the times there's not, there's relationships for these shows. Did that ever mess with your head in like trying to <clears throat> keep like a certain level of fame or try to like build on a reality show resume instead of following your actual heart? So I think for Too Hot to Handle, I was definitely, I went into it very naive and I fully believed in the process and I left the show in love with someone. And then I think that's why going into Perfect Match, I was a little bit more jaded and I was a skeptic and I didn't really, tr I, w I went into it kind of with my eyes more open and I didn't really trust the men in the house. I didn't really care to get to know them. I was open to it and I was excited for the potential, but I really didn't think that anything was going to happen for me at that point. So that's kind of why I was more strategic about it as opposed to to what to handle. I was still st strategic and I wanted to make a good television show, but I was also like doe eyed, you know, like I, I was blinded by the infatuation <laughs> that I had. Well, I mean, then when these shows actually come out, which is a lot like a, a good amount of time after you film them, what is that like to actually go through those kind of initial hits of celebrity or pseudo celebrity where people are wanting to take your picture you're outside of like craig's restaurant they're pairing you up with anybody and everybody oh she could be dating this person that person is there an initial excitement and does that excitement eventually wear off i think definitely 
anyone who does social media or anyone who does reality TV, kind of the end goal is to reach a level of success and fame, as you would say, so that you're comfortable. But for me, I was kind of always thinking about it more financially. I wanted to be super financially stable and I had career aspirations as opposed to just like the fame kind of paparazzi aspect to it. I remember the first time I had like a photographer like follow me to my house because he saw me get into a parking garage, into my car and like followed me to my house and then took awful photos of me and then knocked on on my window of the car and said, hey, if you give me like juicier gossip, I'll delete these photos and you could take my number and then let me know. So I literally, I was like, okay, like this is how it is, I guess. Like this is what my life is now. Yeah, so I, I quickly realized very quickly kind of how people worked and right after the show there was I was in relationships and I feel like a lot of people were maybe using me and I wasn't as aware of it at the time but obviously I've grown a lot in the past few years so I'm definitely more aware of the situation but when you're new to it you're kind of you don't realize people have different intentions or people could be using you or things like that so you definitely kind of navigate it as you go. No, I mean, uh, that's such a weird world to navigate because people study for different sorts of careers. And I don't think there's any college or anything that can prepare you for what it's like to actually share yourself on reality television and deal with that. And also you being the product, you know, like Mm -hmm. you or somebody trying to date you or but like that's such a weird concept that I don't think people really appreciate. I did actually do a YouTube video like years ago, right after Too Hot to Handle came out. And that was one of the things I said. I said, there's no rule book on how to navigate this. There is no guidelines of what you should share online and what you shouldn't share. You kind of, it really is a learning process and you learn every single day what you should and shouldn't do. And then you also have to worry about people's opinions and offending people or saying something wrong and taking ownership of actions that you regret and stuff like that. So you definitely have to weave it and flow through it. But I think as long as you're honest and you're yourself, then there's nothing really that you can regret if you're putting who you are forward. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing that I, I wonder how hard of a time you had with it was, you know, one once you're on reality television, people think they own you to a degree so they can say anything that they want about you. And I've heard you talk about like hate or, you know, um, uh, your dudes, like he, he'll get like massive amounts of hate and like us on reality television, we will just send the most hateful comments to characters. Was that shocking or have you always been insanely strong of a person inside? In high school, I was very bullied. Um, and so I grew up and this one older boy had a crush on me and this older girl had a crush on the boy. So this older girl tried to make my life a living hell in high school. I ended up having to switch high schools. So I think from early on when I was like 13, 12, I really learned to develop a thick skin because there was a lot of times where it gets really hard growing up, but then I just, I brushed it off. My mom also was really good. My mom, her one thing, every time anything would happen to me when I was younger, she would always say, they're jealous of you. They're jealous of you. They wish they could look like you. They're jealous of you. So I grew up with that mentality of being like, oh, <laughs> I'm the best. They're just jealous. It's a, it's a, if people are being mean to me, it's a compliment. They're, it's, it's flattering because they, I have something that they want. So I kind of grew up with that mindset. So I think that just carried into my adult life that if people are being mean or people are being hateful, then they're, you're doing something right. And you're <laughs> doing something that that person would low-key want. So I've kind of just had it like that. And I've been really confident growing up. So 
Oh man, that yeah. stuff flattens me. I don't know how you deal with that because like, I mean, I hear one bad comment and I'm like out for the week. And I, I mean, I, I just noticed with a lot of reality television and influ influencers, that's part of the game is that you want people talking, whether it's good or bad, or even being a reality show villain, there is something so exciting in that for the audience, but then we're able to like try to tear you down. Yeah, I think people love, like, people love to see people succeed, but people love to see people get torn down even more. Even influencers I'm seeing now, like beauty influencers or like Alex Earl, for, for example, anyone will take any little small slips that they do and they're waiting for it. They're watching, yeah. waiting for that person to mess up. And right when they mess up, even if it's just a little bit, everyone messes up every single day. No one's perfect. Everyone <laughs> says things that they regret. Everyone does things that they regret. And then that little slip can really do huge damage to your career if you're not careful or if you don't know how to like recover. So yeah, it's scary. It's I mean scary. Yeah. But you can only learn through going through those things. So I think it's yeah. such a re weird mind fuck that celebrity can be. Um, the other thing I was thinking about in terms of how good you are on screen, you know, you really do pop in a certain way. Were you a fan of reality television? And I, I was listening to parts of your podcast with the uh, the Vanderpump Rules guys. And I was just saying, like, you know, they've been in this 10 seasons um, you are still, even though you've been doing this for years, still, I guess, considered fairly new in this. Um, did you grow up watching reality television? Are you a fan of the genre before you got on it? No, I mean, I like, <laughs> I, I like Survivor and I like Naked and Afraid. And but I actually think I grew up watching Real World a little bit, but yeah. not not from what I don't have like any memories of it, really. I just think it kind of, I was thrown into it. And I feel like because I didn't watch it a lot, I didn't have like a preconceived notion on like what I was supposed to do, how I was supposed to act, editing. I didn't even know that editing was a thing. I didn't know that they could put words in my mouth. I didn't think that was legal, but they can. And you sign off that they're allowed to do that. So you really, I went into it so blind, having no idea. And when I saw it, I was like, wait, that didn't happen. But the world thinks, that's ha thinks that happened and you can't say that it didn't happen because you're in a contract. So it's like very tricky. But yeah, no, I think, I yeah. I've, I've talked to some of the people from Love is Blind on Netflix as well and kind of sharing the edits and all of that stuff is, and I think you kind of have a tenuous relationship with Netflix right now, even though I think you are a star of these shows. Has Netflix tried to make any amends to you to get you back on their team? Because I feel like you're a fit for this stuff, but I feel like they would have to make some concessions to get you back on. I think when I've been out, I have ran into like at the variety party, I ran into one of the producers of Perfect Match and she came up to me. I hadn't met her. She was kind of more behind the scenes, um, but she came up to me and introduced herself and she apologized for the way that the edit portrayed me. But I think, I mean, I get it. Like they wanted the views and I was just the person that they chose to portray a certain way to get those views. I mean, if I was portrayed that way or not, I still feel like I would have brought in the views either way, but I think I just am going a different direction with what I want to do. Well, that's what I was thinking about. Like, where do you want to move forward in the future? We're in a new year, 2024. I don't know if you're a big vision board person. I don't know what, like, how do you dream? Like, because you possibly couldn't have dreamed to be where you are right now when you were a kid, because this is all kind of new and influencing and all of this stuff. What are the dreams for 2024? I mean, for me, the goal has always been 
of family and being comfortable and financially stable and raising kids. That's always been my goal. I, I don't have like a certain goal of like fame I want to reach. I'm very content with the way I am now. I have a good amount of success, a nice online presence, but it's not to the point where it's overwhelming, where I don't want to go out in public. I feel unsafe. I'm at like a good level right now that I really enjoy. I have a few plans for some new TV shows in 2024, some more reality. And then the end goal would be a show potentially with my fiance and myself and like our family. That's what I really want. I mean, I was listening to you guys and I was like, this would be so good. And I was like learning so much. Uh, not only about uh, trans issues, but I was learning about IVF and I was learning all of these things. And I was like, this is kind of what I want reality television to be is more centered around real things. Because I do believe that there are still things that would be dramatic, funny, all of these yeah. things, but it's your actual life. And I think people can handle that. I also think um, there, a story like mine and my fiance's has never been told before when I was growing up. And I was like looking up to people in shows or in movies or anything. It was very heterosexual, the norm, like nothing was really out there. And you didn't really have people who are queer and in that kind of realm to look up to. And I've never seen a show about our kind of life. So I feel like it's important just just in an awareness and an acceptance of like the generations moving forward that a story like ours, even if it's not us, that a story like ours is told. And there's a lot of hate against queer people and trans, trans people especially. So I think just awareness and being put in front of people's faces and people can watch and say, oh my God, they're literally just normal and cool and nice yeah. would um, bring a lot of acceptance towards the community. Um, I want to get back to your love story in just a second, but I was just thinking when I was talking to you, I was like, I wonder what did Francesca do this weekend? Because in my weird influencer head, I'm like, she probably jetted off to Paris. She went to three parties and then she probably came back to do some interviews. What did you do? What is a normal weekend? Thing? What did you do this weekend? Well, the, so December and November and October and September and <laughs> were crazy, like absolutely insane. So January is it's embryo transfer month. So yes. it's very chill. So we had plans on Friday to go to dinner and then go to the strip club because we love the strip club. And we... <laughs> yeah, okay. This is what I pictured. Okay. This is but, what I pictured. But yeah. we, we had some wine and then we just like, I was ready to go. Like I was glam. I was all ready. And we looked at each other and we were like, we're not leaving. We sat on that couch right over there and drank wine and watched a movie and then went to bed. And then we're hungover the next day. We were very chill. It's been very like relaxing. Well, we're going to the strip club tonight. But okay, wait, wait what been... strip club is this? What strip club is this? This seems like a real like a what is the Francesca strip club in Los Angeles? We like jumbos. Oh my god, you guys, yeah. jumbos! They've talked about this on Vanderpump Rules before. It is like a hole in the wall. But if you live in Los Angeles, you have a jumbos clown room experience. Courtney Love used to work there back in the yeah. day. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of this a really amazing like hole in the wall. I mean, it really is a great place. But that's okay. So they missed out on you guys last night. What movie did you watch? Uh, we watched this. It was actually a, a series of what was it called? It's this mom and because I was kind of drunk. It's this mom <laughs> and. Her husband dies and he gets shot and then she sees the husband on the nanny cam and then it kind of all, I saw it on TikTok. It's on Netflix. I think it kind of all blows up because she's oh, like, oh, my, I, hus my husband's alive. What's going on? Made you, made you look, right? 
Is it major maybe? Love or- I don't know. Maybe I don't something. remember the text because I was drunk when we started it, but I was so into it. I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you actually live a normal existence, like a lot of us out there do, yeah. where you just stayed home and watched TV on the couch. Um, I know you were probably so bored about talking about your love story, but how did you meet uh, your dude? How did how, like, how did I'm that never, happen? I'm never bored. Um, well, we met so TikTok during the pandemic kind of like a towards the end of pandemic did a live stream event for pride in 2021 and they hired me to host the event so i was interviewing people and he was one of the people that i happened to interview and you thought he was cute right up the bat right we met we met like this like over zoom um now who was who was the person that made that first move are you usually the person or it's me it's me it's always me. <laughs> what's the, what's the move? Well, like, what's the fran? What was the Francesca move? Like, is there? How do you determine if somebody's going to be into you or not? Well, it's hard because if it's in person, I'm a big eye contact person. Like, I don't know what it is. I can just like give some like sexy eyes, and <laughs> and it works every time. It works. Sometimes I don't want it to work, and it works. Like some people. Sometimes I'm just talking to someone, and they think I'm giving them the eyes, and I'm not. But. <laughs> So, because it was over Zoom, I was like, well, how, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't, how am I going to give the eyes? I can't yeah. give the eyes. So I just slid in his DMs after. And I was like, oh my God, you did so good. Oh, oh so you good. went for the ego. You massaged he, his ego to yeah. try to get in there. Well, yeah, it, I mean, worked. It, it wasn't hard. It worked. <laughs> but, but even like meeting him for the first time on TikTok, you could have never imagined to be where you are now, where you're like a stepmom, where you're doing IVF. Like, at the time, you were just attracted to him. Like, yeah. would you have ever thought you would be at a place where you are skipping uh, Jumbo's clown room and watching a movie on a couch with him? I think when I met him, like, I looked on his TikToks for hours. Like, I would watch his videos all day, every day, and I was obsessed with his story and his upbringing and his life and his kid. And his whole story was so beautiful that I was like, this is someone I can see myself with. He's a great parent. He's like so relaxed and chill and cute and nice that I knew like right when I met him that I could see him like I could see him in my life forever. And and you've turned out to be right so far. I mean, I, I just know. think that's it. it um, <laughs> did, did he ever feel like he was at a disadvantage, though, because you knew so much about his story through social media? Did he feel like he was like racing to catch up? I don't think because like... His friends, a few of his friends, when we were talking, were like, oh, her, we know her. <laughs> and so he was he was like, wait, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, you didn't see the shows? And he's like, no. And then his friends were like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't have, like, the best reputation. I was kind of like a shit disturber, kind of, you know, doing my thing. Like, I, w- I wasn't this, like, wholesome girl, you know? I was yeah. like, so I think he maybe had maybe a preconceived notion that I was kind of like a bad girl. But once you meet me, I'm like really sweet and I was really nice. So anything that he like was getting from his friends, he just like brushed off. Well, I have to say, I mean, you know, even, even doing the research, I kind of was like really nervous when I was asked, I was like, Oh, Oh, this could be like, I mean, she seems like she's potentially like the bad girl and this could be. And then I started listening to you. I was like, wow, she's actually so like well put together. She was like, just like, I was really enjoying hearing all of this stuff about you away from those shows that I had this preconceived notion of. Um, uh, now I asked my, my, 
uh, girlfriend, Amy, I, I said, hey, am, do you think it's appropriate for me as a cis man to ask her about her IVF journey because it's so <laughs> personal? And she was like, yeah, she's talked about it before. But do you mind if I ask a couple of questions about yeah, your, your IVF journey? Of, of because course, yeah. I think, I think it's really important because you've spoken about that it's it's not been all like wine and roses. You've had a difficult uh, process thus far. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I think anyone who goes through IVF it is not easy at all. It's definitely emotionally taxing, physically taxing. Like you really feel like your lowest of the low because the amount of hormones that are like given to you every day and the amount of like doctor's appointments and like poking and pricking. Like I think I got my blood taken maybe like 300 times in a week. It was crazy. And then I ended up in the hospital because I had a bad reaction to the IVF. So it's definitely emotionally a lot. And my my IVF's done, my embryos, so like my little tiny little babies are in the freezer, ready to go. And then I start hormones again tomorrow. And then with the hormones, we like track how my body's for the next few weeks. And then in a few weeks, if my body's good to go, then we put the embryo in my uterus and then potentially could be pregnant like the next day. And so are you at, are you both at a place where, I mean, like who pulls the ripcord on, is this the right time to do this? I feel like it's definitely me because it's my body. So yeah, I mean, we were planning a wedding and then one day random, like after wedding planning, we looked at each other and I was like, should we just get pregnant? Like now? (laughs) And he was like, yeah. So then he did his IVF like the next week and then I did my IVF a month later and then we were we were planning to get pregnant in October, but my body had the reaction that it had. So I wasn't safe to do so. And then I was like, let's just do it in January. So I think it's mainly up to me because it's like, I'm the one who has to like, you know, do it. So it'd be different if we were getting a surrogate because then it wouldn't really affect my life for those nine, 10 months. Cause I would just be chilling like as I am now, but I think definitely the timeline and the schedule is, is mainly up to me. And he's, he's down with whatever I want to do. Like we are only planting on him, planning on implanting one embryo. But last night I'm like, what if we just do two, you know, like, well, that if... could be the one that could be the wine speaking. Let's let's, no, uh... I was sober. I was sober. okay. <laughs> last night was sober. Okay. So that was, that was so... yeah. um, well, you said there was a couple different options, obviously, uh, implanting in you or doing the surrogate. What was that thought process for you where you were like, no, I think I would like to, to carry. Uh, I, I never thought about getting a surrogate ever. I, I, okay. The only time I would ever consider it is if maybe after two kids, three kids, my body like physically wasn't able to, or I hated being pregnant, I would consider it. But I definitely, I don't know. It's something that I've known since I was a little girl. I've always wanted to be pregnant and like give birth and feels what that feel what that feels like. So it's never been a question that I was going to carry the babies. Now you guys just got engaged in May of last year. Is that correct? Yeah. End of April last year. End of April. Now, and, and from what I understand, you kind of said you didn't know, but you kind of gave him a time frame in which you wanted him to do this. So then you could go and celebrate with your family in Canada. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, my mom's 60th birthday was coming up and we were leaving to go to Vancouver to see my friends in Vancouver and then fly to Ottawa with my whole family uh, for my mom's birthday. We we're going to surprise her. So, but this was like, we've known that this was going to happen for like six months. We knew that we were going for my mom's 60th. So I was like, okay, please, if it could happen before my mom's 60th, cause then we could celebrate in Vancouver and then we could go celebrate with my parents and then we can go celebrate with my whole family. Like, we don't all get together often. It's it's like maybe a few times a year that that happens. So I was like, so before we go, please. And he was like, okay, okay. So he like 
made it happen. And the ring, he got the ring the day he proposed. He like got it. Dude, this out. ring is insane, by the way. Go check out this ring. It really is. I mean, I'm a dude and I'm even like, oh, you just broke my camera on my computer. That is like so, how heavy is that? That seems like it could it's be a five pound ring. It's not that heavy. It does kind of poke me sometimes. But other than that, it's, it's not heavy. It's like, it's kind of light. It's kind of small. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have to try it on if I ever bump into you. I, I mean, it looks really amazing. Did you, was he one of those people that was kind of nervous leading up to it? And did you know, like, did you know the day of, like, we see this in reality television a lot when couples like are getting engaged and it's like, oh, come on, how did they not know? Did you know that like, oh, today's the day? So he lied to me and we had our Perfect. first date at a club called EPLP. Oh, yeah, the, like the top floor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he told me that on the Saturday there was an event at EPLP and that we were going to get really dressed up and then we were going to go. And I was like, okay, it's happening on Saturday because that's where we had our first date. Like, maybe he rented it out. Like, that's what I thought. And so he threw me off. And then the Friday, he's like, oh, I got invited to this orchestra thing. Like, do you want to go? And I was like, orchestra? I'm like... <laughs> Not really. I'm like, not really. He's like, oh, they're doing something with Taylor Swift. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's go. And he's like, he's like, let's get cute pics tonight. So dress nice. And I was like, okay, wait, tomorrow. And I was like, kind of confused. Cause I was like, wait, is it happening tonight? But then I, he knew that I wanted our 15 year old to be there. And I thought this was a lie. They were actually at their um, aunts, but I thought that they were in orange County with their other dad. So I was like, no, Arlo's not here. So it's not happening. So I was so confused. And then we were on the way to the orchestra. And I was like, I think it's happening tonight. Because he was like very particular with what he wanted me to wear, kind of. He's like, no, wear, wear that dress. Like, that one's nice. And I was like, hmm. Wait, did you say it out loud? Did you say, I think it's happening tonight to him? Not, or did you keep no, that no, no, in no. your head? Okay, no, good. I was I like, do not. Why would you ruin no, no, that no, moment no, for no, him? No, no. Yeah. I kept it in my head. I filmed a video actually on TikTok. And I was like, it might be happening tonight. I'm not sure. But it was like the weekend before we had to leave for Canada. So I was like, it, this is the last opportunity for it to happen. So, <laughs> And so then it happened and then you were able to celebrate with your family. Is your yeah. family kind of, are they blown away with everything that's happened to you in the last five years? Or they were like, nah, we kind of figured this would be the way Francesca would go. My mom is like the sassiest Italian lady you'll ever meet. Like her love language is like, slapping you in the head like Perfect. that's how she is she, when she started hitting Jesse like not like a punch but like when she started slapping Jesse I knew that she loved him like that's it was good her. so she's very like she's not very emotional and she's not very affectionate and she like d doesn't really say she's proud of me ever she's kind of like oh yeah okay nice and I'm and my, my but my dad he cries he's very emotional uh, he always says he's proud of me he like cries when he sees me he gives me the biggest hug he tells me how well I'm doing so my dad's like the softy and my mom's like the the stern kind of like you're never gonna see me like be like emotional what did she get emotional though at all with any of the like when when she saw you no. too when you no okay no. perfect but your dad <laughs> no. but I I can't wait to see your yeah. dad at the wedding it's gonna be well I yeah. took my I took my dad to see uh, his favorite band, the Eagles, last night at the forum, and he cry—he cries during an Eagles song. I have to like yeah. put my—I I had to rub his back during an Eagles song. I was like, "Dad, man up, man." <laughs> that, that's something. My dad cries every Christmas. He cried for my mom's birthday that year. Like he—he's a crier, but yeah, my mom's like a tough cookie. I think that's also why I'm like so thick-skinned because she's so thick-skinned that it kind of like, yeah. rubbed off on me. 
do you think that that's how you'll be as a mom as well? Do you think you're no. going to be? Because I, I see the, like my Pomeranian. His name's Romeo. He yeah, is... by the way, her Pomeranian has th- their own social media account. I mean, it like it yeah. has its own, <laughs> like more popular than I'll ever be. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I haven't posted on his account, but I used to post all the time because I was like, oh, maybe he'll get some brand deals. But he is the <laughs> cutest boy in the whole wide world. And I like I love him. So I feel like if I'm he's just a dog. Like, he's not just a dog, but he's yeah. a dog. So the way I am with him, I can't even imagine like how much love will be multiplied for a child. Like I look at him every night and I make sure he's breathing. Like I cook his food. Like I just, I, I could squeeze him and stare at him all day, every day. Like I just love him so much. So yeah, I can see that transferring to a child and it just being like crazy. I don't think I can like hold in. I'm more of my dad. I'm more of like a little gummy bear at heart as opposed to like my crazy. Well, you could be a perfect, you could be a perfect blend of the both. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you both, you and uh, your dude on social media, you share so much. Is there a point, though, that you're like, where you do like, we got to keep this for us or these are our private? Like, how do you uh, how do you interpret that in your mind of keeping things for yourself and your relationship? I think it's hard because. People, I think you mentioned this earlier, people kind of expect to like be included and yeah, you reach a certain point where you feel it as well. You feel like you owe it to them to kind of include them. And for me, it's so weird. Like I'll follow a woman's, it's crazy. Cause I think this way too, I'll follow a woman's pregnancy journey and then she'll give birth, but she won't tell anyone the child's name. And I'm, I always feel like cheated. I'm like, oh, but, but I was so invested <laughs> and, yeah. and like, I love you guys. And I don't know the baby's name. Like it hurts my heart. I'm like, I know, I know they're doing it to protect the child, of course. Like, that comes first and, like, good on them. But I feel like if I feel that way to people I don't know, I know that people feel that way towards us. And as long as we're comfortable, we'll share. Like, if we feel like we're still being safe and nothing's being compromised and everything's cool, we'll share. Like, our 15-year-old doesn't really like being recorded or filmed anymore at all. So if I want them in a video, I'll ask and I'll say, no pressure. I would love you to be in this video if you're cool with it. But if not, like, don't even worry about it at all. So I think it becomes a point where it's like, you have a thin line. It's different with kids because you don't want to like put your kid online, like eating a hot dog. Like I feel like people that do that are really weird, but you also want to share them because it's like your baby. So it's like hard. I think yeah. it's easy. It's easy thus far, but I think when kids are involved, it'll be different. Well, that's what I was talking about, like parasocial relationships, which, you know, you actually, you know, you have parasocial relationships of people that you follow that like you mm-hmm. just said with that person, you know, it's so interesting that we deal with that in this day and age that that wasn't like that 20 years ago. But I do wonder 20 years from now where we're going to be with this, because I feel like reality television, I felt like fed right into influencers. And I'm trying to think what the next thing is going to be like, how, where are the lines in terms of sharing our lives these days? Yeah, it's hard too because there's a lot of judgment. And if you overshare, you're, you get judged. And if you undershare, you get judged. So it's obviously safer to undershare, but also sharing and creating videos like and posting them and editing them, you have like a beautiful memory. Like if we, yeah. like we, we watch our engagement video so many times and we watch like <laughs> our IVF videos. Like if we're just like sitting and we're chilling, we're like, should we watch our engagement video again? Like it's like a good memory that we have that we can look back on. So I do enjoy that part of it as well. Like having the memories just yeah. there. Um, do you have 10, 15 more minutes? Are you okay? 
Okay, cool. Um, so I did want to uh, think also and the other things that you're doing right now that I think the influencing actually helps is that you have your swim line right now, correct? And that's <laughs> yes. Farago by the label. Is that is that Farago, what it is? Farago the label. Farago the label. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, I was looking at the Instagram page for that. I was Instagram like, what is your goal with this? And I was also noticing you model a lot of the swimwear yourself. And what is the audience uh, that you're hoping to get? You know, what are you hoping to do with the the, the brand? So when I first launched, I was definitely creating swim that I loved, that I wanted to share. And I was going into it kind of with a different mindset. I was like, okay, I'm going to make bikinis that I love and that I want to wear and I want to share them. And then as the months went on, I started like girls that would comment on my photos and comment on Fairglow Label, I would start looking at their profiles and I was looking at what they were wearing and how they looked and bikinis that I thought they would like. So I started moving to more inclusive and wanting to make women feel comfortable in their skin and wanting to design swim that everyone would enjoy and not just my specific body type. So then I moved into the more like body inclusivity kind of aspect of it and making bikinis that everyone would feel comfortable in. And then also keeping them um, like, cause I'm vegan. So I wanted to keep them like vegan, cruelty-free and biodegradable and good for the environment. Cause that's like, that's like not even done anymore. I don't even see companies be eco-friendly or have eco-friendly packaging. And a lot of bikini companies that are really popular, every single photo is like a thinner woman and, that's like 10% of the population that looks like that. There's like 90% of women who are also in need of beautiful bikinis that don't cater, like these huge companies don't cater to. So, Yeah, I love that you started with yourself and then kind of like went globally and thought about all women, you know, is that this is mm -hmm. for all women and it's done the right way, which a lot of companies don't do that anymore because I think it's probably a little bit more expensive, but it is great that you have this that actually kind of hits all those right notes for people where you can actually feel good about yourself in and also feel good about purchasing because it is not destructive to the earth in any sort of way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the other thing in terms of influencers, I was thinking about the Kardashians a lot as we're all forced to do, what do you, you know, do you think that they are truly the first influencers out there? Like, you know, and where they've grown, would that be ever a goal for you to get that large? I don't know if they're like the first, I mean, I guess, yeah, social media, cause social media is kind of like, I feel like definitely not. I would say that's not the goal. Cause I couldn't imagine having that lack of privacy financially that's the goal for sure i i always want to make more money and do more financially but i wouldn't want to get to that level of like attention or scrutiny or i think the quality of my life wouldn't be as good if if that happened but financially yes they're the goal but not fame wise <laughs> Yeah, I was just trying to think of like other people because I was trying to think of like projects that I want you to see you in or people that I would compare you to. And I feel like the Kardashians started off and they were like, why I say the first influencers, they're the first people that were like pushing tummy tea and yeah. Kim mm -hmm. had like a big thing was her Carl's Jr. commercial. And now look at them now where it's runways. It's at such a high level that's so insane. Nobody could have predicted. Yeah. Um, in terms of reality television, would you ever consider doing Dancing with the Stars? Um, I've never considered it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say no to an opportunity unless it was something that I was really like against, like morally, I'm kind of open to a lot of opportunities as long as also like I would want to get paid properly. Cause like <laughs> I'm definitely in it for the financial gain, but 
Yeah, I feel like I would probably maybe embarrass myself. I'm not like, I grew up actually dancing. My mom spent like, who knows how much money on dance lessons and it did not translate into me being an, an adult. I just lost it. I don't know what happened, but um, if it would sound like a fun opportunity, yeah, I would do it. Okay, so Dancing with the Stars, yes. I was just watching the first three episodes of the show Traders on Peacock. Would you do the Traders? I don't know what that show is, but by the name of it, it sounds like schemey. And like I think you would be great. I think you would be yes. great. I think you would be so good on the show. I am looking into doing a show right now. I'm just finalizing contract details, but it's very schemey and like okay. strategy. And that's my vibe. House of Wait, House of Villains season two? Oh, I, who knows? I, it, that was it, another it, yeah, one yeah. I would I would love for you to be on. And then the other thing, because I was reading about your home renovation, you bought a home and it has been renovating now, I think for over a year. Would you ever do a Francesca home renovation show, like an HGTV? We could also share your romance and stuff. But I was like, wait, this is interesting. Somebody actually going through this process in a home. Would you ever do that? I, it's really funny because when I started my renovation, I was like, this needs to be documented because this house is going to be so badass and I'm doing so much and I'm doing it myself. I'm designing the whole house myself. I'm paying for it myself. So I was like, I need to get a network on this. So I tried reaching <laughs> out and then I realized HGTV is like Christian people who are very wholesome and like <laughs> Mormon and like Catholic. And I was like, that is not me at all. Like, I'm sex positive and I'm queer. And I was like, there's no way. And I got ignored. So I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense because like, there's not a lot of like queer sex positive, like reality TV people doing this kind of, kind of stuff. Yes. So it didn't end up working out, but I would have loved to because it's been a nightmare. This has been the renovation from hell. So it would have been fun to, I even started vlogging it myself and I stopped because I was depressed. I was like, I can't even film this anymore because <laughs> this, this is, is too real. This, this is, is way too real in my now. existence. So I just started posting a little bit more on TikTok and I scrapped all the videos I had for the vlog. Cause I was like, I can't even rewatch this footage and I'll just cry. <laughs> well, cause you were like getting no. into it with your contractor. Like the whole process yeah. has been kind of a nightmare, right? Yeah. It's been horrible. It's ongoing as well. It has not even remotely been figured out. So, okay. That's wild. Okay. And then also you mentioned you're a huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, could we get your opinions on the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey relationship? I think it's great. Good for her. <laughs> right. And you She's buy it, it as a real relationship, right? You don't think yeah. this is a PR relationship. I think so. I don't know for me. I think if someone's going to be dating something, someone for PR, you would kind of want them to be just as famous or more famous than you. And I feel like Travis Kelsey, he's known in America for football, but like globally, like, I don't know. I feel yeah. like she could have dated like, not like a Leonardo DiCaprio, but like, I don't know, someone, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. Maybe she wanted to get into the sports fan. I don't know. Well, but no, I but like I think she doesn't if you, if need to. No, not, but if you're that successful, any relationship you get into is going to be a PR relationship because yeah. the press is going to cover it. So that automatically makes it a PR relationship. I think it's real. I think it's real. Uh, okay, yeah. good. We both think it's real. So every yeah. all the haters can suck it out there. Okay, so we've got coming up in 2024, we have uh, the IVF, which hopefully goes amazing. We have the house hopefully being uh, finished. When is the wedding going to be? We're thinking after baby number one. 
Definitely. Okay. So the baby, so this potentially is going to be into 2025. So we've got that on the horizon. We have contracts being signed for reality shows of uh, who knows what these reality shows are. (laughs) We're pitching the reality show, hopefully of you and your dude and your, we're pitching that reality show. And I think that would actually be amazing. Uh, We have the swimsuit line. What else? Are you dropping an album anytime soon? Like what else is, (laughs) it feels like you were doing 30 things at once. Um, What else is coming up for you? I know when I was doing like the wedding planning with the IVF, with the house, with everything, I was, I didn't, I was honestly so stressed. I'm like, I I can't even do this anymore. Like I was, there's too much on my plate, but I think I just want to do more shows before the baby's here and finish my house and then lock in a show for me and Jesse. And that's the goal. Well, I think all that is totally possible. And then also you said you get your hormone shot tomorrow, right? Is that mm-hmm. why you're scheduling interviews before that shot? I mean, yeah. is this, yeah, right? Well, because okay. starting tomorrow, I have like so many doctor's appointments like every day. So it's hard to schedule things. So I did, I did block off the next few weeks kind of for the IVF to finish the IVF off. And then hopefully I'm pregnant soon. And then that'll just be like life changing. But if the, if the, if the, uh, embryo transfer fails, then I'll probably do some more reality TV quick, do some more things, have some more fun, travel a bit, and then try again in the IVF in the spring. Well, I really can't wait to see you on our screens again. Thank you for making this so easy. I was kind of nervous to talk to you because I didn't know. And then I was listening. I was like, no, you are so, you seem so cool and you really are so cool. And and just so you guys don't know, like she really put up with a lot of tech issues in the beginning and she was so awesome and cool about that. I was like literally pulling my hair out. So please go, everybody go support Francesca Farago. I'm going to put all those uh, links and all of the stuff to check her out on my show notes. But I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope to get to talk to you down the line again soon no you are amazing thank you so much this has been wonderful (laughs) oh thank you so much thank you so bad it's good is a betches media production the show is hosted and produced by me ryan bailey with meditza lopez and sandra fryer additional support provided by sean kilby jorge morales pico and rebecca steinberg guest booking by ali friedlander video promotion by laura valencia be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com and follow the show at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.